Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. Well, hello, hello. Welcome, folks. I hope you are feeling good. I hope you are feeling fine. I hope you're feeling okay and that you're not feeling bad today. That's what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about those four words. Today, we are going to probably have perhaps a shorter podcast than we usually do because today is really about the exercise around the challenge of choosing the right word for how you're feeling. Because we have these throwaway words that we use all the time that don't really mean anything. They either never really meant anything or they certainly don't mean anything anymore because we just throw them around. And those are the words of good, bad, fine, and okay. And I have a lot of experience with these words. I mean, don't we all from our own life? But as a life coach, I have a ton of experience with these words because at the start of my sessions, I will usually ask my clients, how are you doing? And I will get one of those four words. It is very, very rare that I get anything other than those four words. So I have to say, okay, what does that mean? Because I'll get a client that comes and I say, oh, how are you? And He'll say, uh, um, uh, good. And I'm like, this is a lie. (laughs) Nothing about your body language, nothing about what you said, what happened there, what I watched go through your mind would have led me to good. So why did you choose that word? Why are we choosing these words that don't actually mean anything? And some of that we'll look at today may be societal societal pressures, norms, got some interesting perspective when I was in Europe about this for Americans. Some of it is just lying. And some of it is because we no longer or never had the correct words for these feelings to understand feelings beyond the basic couple, right? They say that there's hundreds and hundreds of words for how we truly feel. And we actually only have access to about seven of them. Right, we know angry, happy, sad, grief, maybe good, bad, mad, horny. Right, we just have a couple, so we're going to really dive into that today. And so, I want to start with thinking about how often you use good, bad, fine, or okay. How often, when somebody asks, are you using that? And yes, are you using that in the normal ways of the grocery store, right? I go to a cute local grocery store in my hometown and they always ask, how are you? And so I say, oh, I'm good or I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, if I'm really, really, I usually say good. If I'm having a day that's going well, I'll say good. If I don't want to talk about it, I'll say fine. If I'm having a truly awful, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, I will say okay. I will very rarely say bad. 
because we are raised in this American society. If you are listening to this in America, we are raised in an American society that tells us that we are not supposed to share emotions with people. With any people, by the way. And if you do, maybe a therapist, maybe a coach, maybe your partner, probably not your children, maybe your friends, but probably not. And certainly not the person bagging your groceries. My God, you would never want to actually put on somebody how you are. And I take this for granted in my everyday life. I take this idea for granted of somebody asks you, somebody you don't know or you don't know well, asks you who you are and know who you are, how you are. Who you are is a much longer conversation, but they'll ask you how you are. And we just say, fine, good. How are you? Fine, good, whatever. But when I was traveling through Europe this summer, I was caught off guard by a man who, because I did a lot of work around, uh, like a not work, but work for myself around the sort of sociology of what do people there in the places I visited think about Americans? What do they think about us? I, I, I think we can learn a lot from the generalization about us or the experiences of us from other cultures. You learn a lot about yourself from how you view yourself, but also how you are viewed by others. And I am always fascinated by what is the rhetoric that we are sold in America about Americans and how do other people see us. So it's one of the things I love the most about travel and one of the things I wanted to bring back to you guys on this podcast. And so I was struck by being, I was lucky enough to meet a man who, in, in no sort of relationship way, just I met a friend when I was in Belfast and I had told him that I wanted to take advantage of just trying new things. And he said, well, Okay, then if you really mean it, me and some of my friends every summer, we rent a couple of boats and we spend the weekend going down the Shannon River and going to all these small towns. And there's about 16 of us, men and women, all in their 30s and 40s. It's a great time. And it was. If you followed me on social media, you probably saw some of that. And I had some really, some opportunity for really amazing conversations with these Irish men and women in their 30s and 40s, most of them married children, about how they saw their country, how they saw other countries. And so I asked, I said, do you consider Americans nice? And nobody spoke right away. And this one man thought about it and he said, we don't think of you guys as nice. We think of you as polite. Americans are very, very polite. And then everybody started shaking their head in agreement that they're polite. I said, well, wait, what is the difference? We're polite, but we're not nice. You don't think of us as nice. And I don't mean America as a whole, what America does militarily. I don't mean that. I just mean your experience. Because a lot of places I went, this is not obviously all of Europe. These are just the places that I went. Of course, caveat. People said they loved Americans, that they were generally nice and happy and outgoing and fun and gracious and, and happy to be there. But he said, no, you're polite. And he brought up this idea of when he would go to America and he said that you guys ask people all day, every day how they are and you don't actually care. <sighs> that was hard to hear. And he wasn't wrong. Well, he wasn't wrong in how it looked. We may care. But we don't societally give ourselves language for that, permission for that, time for that in our interactions. Time to be open, time to be truthful, time to be vulnerable. Everything is fast and clipped and polite. And I, I noticed this several times when I keep asking people, 
on my trip, do you, what do you think of Americans? And they would say, oh, I think they're really nice. I said, do you think we're nice or polite? And they thought about it, said polite, very, very polite. And that really got me thinking about this idea of how much time we spend asking people how they are and not wanting a real answer. And they know they are not looking for the real answer. We know they're not looking for the real answer. And it's not their fault and it's not our fault. It's a society we have built around this. And maybe sometimes people do want to know, but that they're not expecting you to tell them or there isn't time. Believe me, there's not enough time to tell the person helping me out at the grocery store how I truly am, what is truly going on for me. We feel like that's too much to put on them. We know that's not what they're actually asking. They are being polite. So what I wonder about this psychologically is what does that do to us if we are constantly being numbed out by lying about how we are? And by the way, I'm using the example of the grocery store. Where are examples in your life where a colleague asks how you are? You say, fine, okay, good, maybe bad, maybe. Your children ask, your parents ask, your partner asks. We just say, how was your day? Fine. We just say fine. Was it fine? It wasn't fine. Here's how I know. Fine is fucking bullshit. Fine is not an answer. Good is no longer an answer. Fine is not real. Okay is not real. Bad is no longer real. These are just words that we use. And sometimes we use it because we're lying. And sometimes we use it because we don't know the real word because we are not taking time to think about it. Because if people in society are not taking time to actually ask us, then do we really take the time ourselves to ask ourselves? I've trained a lot of my clients now. I sit down and say, hey, how are you? And they have to sit there and really, really think about it because they know I'm not going to allow the bullshit answer. How are they really? What's the lexicon behind it? What are the words behind it? What are the actual fucking words to describe how you feel instead of the numbed answer? If we don't have to provide the answer for others, we often don't provide the answer for ourselves. And again, not saying I need to go into the grocery store and say how I'm really doing, but I need to know inside how I'm really doing even if I choose to give the bullshit answer, even if it's safer in my partnership or in my friendship or wherever, even if if the bullshit answer is the safest, fine. But I need to know for me, are you checking in with you? The other one that is just the most bullshit answer ever that drives me fucking nuts and all my clients now know they're not allowed to say it is busy because busy isn't an emotion. It isn't an emotion. Stop telling people that you're busy. What's another way you can say that? I stopped saying busy a long time ago and said, you know what? I'm overcommitted, right? I'm overcommitted right now. I've said yes to too many things. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes my real answer is I procrastinated for too long and now I have too much work to do and I'm using adrenaline to get it all done. I, mean, I don't always express it in a sing song, but I feel like it would be more accurate to the trappings and ridiculousness of what's going on in, my mo- on in my mind if I did express it that way. So stop saying busy. And what do you really mean when you say good and bad? So for good, do you mean peaceful? Do you mean calm? Do you mean joyful? Do you mean happy? 
do you mean content? Because once we can provide these to other people, we give them room to really start looking at what it is that they're really feeling in every moment. Whether they share it with us or not, we have to start the ripple, right? We have to be the ones. That's one of the reasons I know why you listen to this podcast. Because if you start getting some of these thoughts and answers and questions and looking into things, you can share it with the people around you. If you have children, my God, teaching your children to actually express their real feelings is amazing. You want to know how to fucking set your children up for success in the world? Teach them how to label their feelings now teach them how to label their feelings. There's so much more out there than mad, sad, angry, right? What is it they're feeling? And if you are thinking, oh, I feel bad, are you angry? Are you fearful, stressed, anxious, grieving, scared, worried, hopeless, Is it one of those words that really is how you feel in this moment? There are more than that. Those are just the ones that came to mind when I was thinking about doing this. Right off the top of my head. Are any of those the ones you really need to hear? You really need to feel? And in relationship, right? If your partner, if the person who was closest to you in your life could express that, how would that change and open up the conversation? Right? What would change about your interaction with your partner if you both didn't just come home from work and say, oh, it was busy, it was fine, oh, it was okay. Maybe if they say it was bad, you ask a little bit more, but maybe you don't. And when we don't express our true feelings, then we don't allow for intimacy. We don't allow for true understanding. By the way, intimacy with other people or intimacy even with ourselves. We're gatekeeping from ourselves. And I will not let you live your whole fucking life and not know who you actually were or are. And having language around this is so important. So when my clients come in and they say, oh, I feel fine, I always think immediately, okay, they're not feeling. Fine is that bland, white bread, Bullshit answer, I'm choosing not to feel. I'm choosing to give you an answer because you asked for it, but I am choosing in this moment not to feel. Okay. And when somebody says, oh yeah, I'm okay, I immediately think they're not okay. Not everybody, not every person in my life, but clients. I'm okay, right? Can you hear that? That they're not okay? That's what I often get. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm like, tell me what's going on. They're like, well, and they're never, quote unquote, okay. So what are the real words? And if this subject interests you, if this hits you, and you really think, oh my God, I want to look into this, or I want to help my children with this, I want to help my boomer parents understand this, I want to help the people in my life, I want to understand this more. I could not possibly, as a human being, recommend this book more. Now, if you're watching on, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, then I'm holding the book up now because I have a copy. It is Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart: Mapping Meanings, Meaningful Connections, and the Language of Human Experience. Here's what's so powerful about this book: You may or may not be a lover, devotee. You may or may not have a shrine to Brene Brown on your desktop like I do, but this book is very different than 
other books she's done. All her stuff is genius, amazing. You'll probably hear me talk if you listen to a lot of these about her quite often. But this book is so great because it's it's like an encyclopedia of feelings and emotions, which we all need because we're not doing it. We're not talking about it in society. So I recommend getting this book and looking through it just to understand yourself more, to understand your own emotions. She goes into the difference between jealousy and envy. We use those words wrong all the freaking time. They're very, very different words, but we don't know that. We're just told one is okay and one is not, right? One of the things I learned so much about in Europe is that the language we speak affects the thoughts that we think, right? There's going to be a whole podcast episode on that. The language we speak affects the thoughts that we think. So understanding more about the actual vocabulary and the words that we have access to, the words for the emotions we are having. When I give my clients more language around words, they're like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm feeling. Shit. I didn't know I was feeling that. I didn't know it was like that. It's like a weight, like literally taking off of them when I can give them the actual words for how they're feeling. And then a whole other thing is to look at the somatics of it and where do those feelings live in our body. That is an entirely different podcast. But just starting with what are the actual words you're looking for when you say good, fine, bad, or okay? Or another word, if there's another word that you use in your life that is a bullshit, throw away, lying, stay away from me, shield word. What is it? Why is it? And what is it covering up? I hope this helped. And let me know in the comments. Let me know on social media or email me and let me know how this affected you, how this has helped you, and what you're thinking about going forward because I always love to hear from you. Stay safe, everyone. Bye. Are you somebody who identifies as female and you have been procrastinating on doing your work? You've been procrastinating on doing the things that you know you need to do to make yourself happier, to bring yourself more joy and more fulfillment in your life. And you keep saying, yeah, but I'll do that when the kids are older or I'll do it when I get to this place in my career. I'll do it when my husband and I are in the right place. I'll do it when future, future, future. The time is now. Think about joining the sisterhood group coaching that I do. It is a way to stay accountable to yourself, a place to take that deep breath for yourself in the month, to reorient your brain back onto focusing on you, which is where it deserves to actually be, and to do it in a community of women that are doing the same thing. We look forward to seeing you.